What is good, everybody? Happy Wednesday. A lot going on. It is the eve before the trade deadline. We are almost here, but we had a historic night in NBA last night as LeBron James broke Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time scoring record. We are going to talk about that. We're going to talk about potential trades, the Lakers rumored to be involved in a three-team deal. But we got to do this with some nuance, man. You know we got to do with some nuance. We got to bring in my man, Gerard Hector. Oh, we got other stuff we're going to talk about today. Just want to let everybody know before we bring Gerard in. We're going to talk about the Grizzlies and what's going on because Gerard hit me up on Monday and we were talking about some things around the Grizzlies that is actually really fascinating and some things for a young player like John Morant that we are have some legitimate concerns about and I think is real. We're also going to talk about y'all man's Hotep Handles and his comments down in Dallas where he's tripping. And then some of y'all want to come at me on Instagram for this, but y'all know that he's tripping, so we ain't got to get into that. But somebody who's not tripping that I love to talk to is my man, Gerard Hector. You can see his work with True Hoop. You see his work with the Seven Footers podcast. Gerard, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. How you doing? How are you maintaining during this trade deadline week? Talking Kyrie, LeBron, Raymond James Sr. I mean, we got a lot going on, man. Yo, I'm I'm good. There's just people out here feel disrespected for no reason, but I'm good. Like, I am fine. I'm great, like, man. No, like I'm I was loving life in basketball. Mm. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> and I had a I had a little YouTube short for the New York Post, and you know, it was just definitely shows you a lot of things in this country. Some people with the logic, some people have a very different definition of how work actually works. That's the thing. It's. It, I'll get to that later. Oh, I ain't gonna start off with that. We'll start off first with LeBron James. He broke Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record last night. Um, Gerard, I, I have to say this, and I really feel this way about this record. This is not something that should be poo-pooed. This is a major accomplishment here, okay? And I don't care what you feel about LeBron, whether you like him, you think Jordan's better, Kareem's better, all this other stuff. This was major, okay, that he's done this. This is a very impressive feat in terms of longevity, in terms of physical fitness, in terms of commitment to the game. And we don't look at LeBron James as a scorer, and he's an all-time leader scorer. Um, you watched this last night. You saw everything that went down. Everybody was in the house at Staples. I almost said Staples. Crypto.com. It's, it's still Staples, Arena. whatever. I still hate that name. <laughs> um, everybody was in the house for that. Big deal. NBA stops the game. Eight-minute little ceremony they have for LeBron. Um, which shows you how big of a deal it was. What do you think of this, the, the significance of this LeBron passing Kareem, who sometimes gets forgotten as one of the all-time greats? I mean, Dexter, Kareem held this record for almost 40 years, okay? Like, that's a long time. And you know, I said it on this show, I've said it to you privately, to me, the three, and, and you know, I think we need to get away from comparing guys across eras because the game is just so different, so I no longer do that. But when you talk about the greatness of players that have played the NBA historically and what they've accomplished. To me, only three players can sort of sit in that conversation as greatest in terms of careers. And we're talking about LeBron, Raymond, James Sr., we just mentioned, who broke the all-time scoring record, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who may have the greatest start-to-finish basketball career of anybody when you go all the way back to high school. And there's something important to point out about Kareem because he's often forgotten, but not by us. If he was allowed to play in the NBA straight out of high school, that scoring record would be out of reach. Nobody would catch that thing. But that wasn't allowed. Not only was that not allowed, he had to sit freshman year. He couldn't play varsity at UCLA because of the rules. So, I mean, this is a man who that scoring record may have been at like, I don't know, 45,000 points or 40-something ridiculous. Um, And then, of course, Michael Jordan. But what LeBron has done, Dexter, more so than the other guys, is the longevity of his greatness. He's no longer a perennial MVP candidate, right? Like that's not that's not a it's not his thing, right? He's not an MVP front runner. However, if you look at all of his stats and metrics, he is still a top 10 player in the NBA. He's about to at the end of this season make his 19th. So that again, 19th all NBA selection. Dexter, he's been all NBA 19 of 20 seasons. Do people understand how stupid that is? Like, that is insane. 13 of them thus far have been all NBA first teams with three seconds and two thirds. Like that. So at worst, in his down years, he's top 15 in the league. And still, 
he's in that top 10 category. He, he's got a claim for first team right now. Probably be second team, but he's somewhere somewhere in that mix. That's how incredible he is. So it's a longevity. Because remember, when Jordan crossed the 30,000-point threshold, he was averaging 20 points a game with the Wizards. And we all like to forget those Wizards years, but he wasn't dominating. Kareem, when he set the mark, was averaging 10 points a night. Yo, LeBron is averaging 37 and 6. Like, bro, he is still, he's eighth in the league in estimated plus minus right now. Like, he is still playing elite basketball at this advanced age. That is unheard of. So, again, you may like Jordan's 87-88 season, his 91-92 season, uh, Kareem's 71 whatever. You pick any one season that you say is a peak better season than any of LeBron's best season. Cool. But nobody has had the longevity of consistent greatness for Bro, we on two decades now of this, right? Of yep. NBA play. That is unheard of, and that needs to be celebrated. Yeah, it needs to be. Yeah. And I, I love that you brought up the fact of like what he's doing right now, right? Because when you talk about a longevity, uh, a, not award, but accomplishment, you kind of compare what he's doing in a moment. It's a great point if you want to compare him to Kareem. And Kareem is just averaging barely over double digits at the end of his career when he broke this record. And obviously, he was 42 years old. So, like, let's also understand that. But the fact that LeBron at 38 still averaging 30 points a game, knew he needed to get over 36 last night and gets that by the third quarter. This is still a Laker team that has to rely on him and there's other issues that Lakers lose the game, which this that game was a perfect microcosm of their season. But the fact that he's doing this at this age is amazing. It is literally amazing. We don't know when the next time we'll see something like this. We don't know any players that's taking care of their body this long, as you said. You can talk about the guys all y'all like. You can talk about Jordan, and I love Jordan. Jordan at 38, and, you know, I know he had got away from the game, was not in this kind of physical condition. Kobe, we saw him breaking down at the end of his career, at post-Achilles Shooting injury. like 30% from the field. Like, come on, right. man. Like, LeBron right. is still shooting 50% from the field. What are we talking about? Right. Like, has, he, has he lost a step? Sure. But he's still a top player we just gerard just talked about how he's going to probably be first team all nba at 38 people worst case 38. second team i mean like right at Dexter, worst at he, worst he's second team he is the only player in nba history let this sink in into your mental mm-hmm. the only player in nba history with at least thirty-five thousand career points ten thousand career rebounds ten thousand career assists two thousand career steals and one thousand career blocks the only person in NBA history. Yes, part of that is longevity, but part of it mm-hmm. also shows how he dominates every facet of the game. And I want to kind of call LeBron out on this. Remember his, all, all, all his whole career, he would say, I'm not a scorer, I'm not a scorer. Stop it. <laughs> you are a scorer. Don't, you don't become the all-time leading scorer and not be a scorer, okay? Right. He is a scorer. Right. The difference is, the other facets of his game are so good is that he can control and dominate a game without having to score 40 points, right? That's that's the key, and I think that's why people don't think about him as a scorer is because of what you just said. He can control and dominate other facets of the game. You know, there, there's years you could argue LeBron was the defensive player of the year. You know, if you look at some of those first couple of years with the Heat, or actually the middle years with the Heat, of his four years with the Heat, you can argue for those two seasons. This is a guy who's dominated the game and – in different ways. So look, I understand there's a lot of people who feel differently about LeBron. Some people don't have him as his goat. And I'm not somebody to hold on things from an error or generation. But like all we got to do, and I've been saying this a lot with a lot a lot of things we look at in music and sports. Look, man, we can give people their flowers while they're still doing it. And that's okay. And we could be in awe of what he's doing at 38, what Gerard just said he's been doing for two decades. It's not something to just sneeze at, man. It's not something to sneeze at. We need to understand that he passed a record last night. He's going to set a new record. We're not sure if anybody else will break this record. I'm not saying it's impossible because records are meant to be broken. Mm-hmm. But the fact that in my lifetime I got to see him break Kareem's record and I didn't get to see Kareem play uh, other than until the end of his career, this is amazing, man. A record that Gerard said stood almost four decades, people. Crazy. Four decades, which also shows you the great. And you're right. Had Kareem been allowed to play at 18 or coming to league, which he would have been able to because he was that good. He was Um, was already – Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the best high school player, 
the best yep. college player and the best NBA player every time he stepped into that new space. So he would have easily been able to bypass college and go straight to the NBA and dominate from year one. He won MVP in his first season. Like he was ready to dominate from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, give Kareem his flowers. And Kareem also want to give some shout out to Kareem. He also wrote a great Substack as he always does uh, about how he felt about LeBron breaking the record for those who might've thought he might've been jealous and things of that nature. Uh, that is not the case. And also in that article also admitted that he could have done a better job in terms of mentorship with LeBron, sort of extending an olive branch. And, you know, he's been hard on LeBron. And I actually have agreed with Kareem mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. his reasons for being hard on LeBron in terms of social issues, but hopefully the two of them could talk and they can, uh, you know, improve upon that relationship. They're, they're also do stuff in I, that space. I, I, what I love there, Dex is like, as Kareem said in the stub stack, he's, and 75 years old, like they're not peers in that way, right? Like, right. so I mean, there, there's going to be a disconnect there. So, I, I look, I, I think again, it is what LeBron has done is outstanding, what Kareem's done. And again, as Kareem wrote in his Substack, LeBron's winning doesn't detract from his winning. That's the problem with fans and comparison, right? And I always say, comparison is a thief of joy. If I say I prefer X player, it does not diminish what the other player accomplished. But right, that's how everybody's right. brand works. Oh, you saying such a... I didn't say so when such was trash. Nobody said that, right? right. In, their accomplishments stand independently of one another. Yeah, and that can, that can, be, that can be fine. Uh, good talk on LeBron. We're going to move on to trade talk. Um, we'll go to the Lakers, LeBron's team. <laughs> <laughs> this is a team that's five games under 500 right now. Um, now, the West is jumbled up. There's not a big gap between them getting up to fifth or sixth in the West, even fourth. It's not that crazy. Um, do you think this team should make a move at the deadline? Do you think they will make a move at the deadline? Because those are two questions there. Will and should are two different things Yeah. Uh, here. Will is likely. Should right. they? I'm not sure. What do you say? Well, here's the thing, Dexter. They, because you have LeBron James playing at this elite level like we discussed, you are always in win-now mode, right? I mean, they got, a, they got a guy at 38 who's still producing and playing all-NBA-level basketball. So they are in win-now mode. And Anthony Davis, like another all-NBA caliber player. You've got to try to win now. That's the whole point. Can they and will they? Who knows? We saw Shams and Woj put out a couple reports that they're looking at a three-team trade, you know, where there's smoke, there's usually fire. But as you know, Dexter, during this time of year, everyone that you talk to on the phone or via text is lying to you, right? Agents, GMs, like front office people. Everybody's trying to push their own agenda. So you never know who to believe. Was anything involving Danny Ainge, who's the Utah uh, basketball operations guy, helping the Los Angeles Lakers? Don't, don't smell right to me. Danny still to this day hates the Lakers, okay? So anything to help the Lakers, I don't think Danny's going to do any part of that. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens there. Should they do a move? Yes. Will they? I don't know. And Dexter, here's the thing. You mentioned they're only uh, five games, 10, 11, 12, no, four games out of sixth place behind the Mavericks, right? To get, yep. to, to, get to that six. But here's the problem. Yep. One, two, three, four, five, six teams are in between them getting to sixth place. So it's and they not just lost just, to one of them last night. This is this. Yes. This, you hit the nail on the head. This is the problem. It's not just about, all right. We go 6-0, and oh, we're straight, we're going to be right. No, you have to leapfrog six other teams, and they have to all start playing bad for you to get above. And that's it's too many teams to jump. It's like in golf, right? When you're, you're looking at Sunday to make, your, to make your move, you're like, ah, I'm only three shots back, but there's 15 guys between you and – well, you ain't, you ain't leapfrogging 15 dudes. That's not happening, right? It's not about the numbers. It's about how many teams you have to get past to get to that spot. So I don't know if they'll have enough. Look, they're still only going to try. We know that. And if they're able to pull off this deal that will net them back, allegedly, D'Lo and Malik Beasley, I believe, and Jared Vanderbilt, I think. Yeah. Let, yeah. Let, yeah. And for, on to, to that point, let me stop you there. Let, let's discuss that deal, right? Because it's the Lakers, the Jazz, and the Wolves. I want to get this correct reporting from Sham Sharania. Uh, he tweeted that the Lakers, Jazz, and Timberwolves are in discussions on a three-team deal that would send D'Angelo Russell back to the Lakers. Russell Westbrook and draft compensations such as a first-round pick to Utah and Mike Conley Jr. to Minnesota, uh, according to sources. And ongoing discussions have included Utah's Malik Beasley, who Gerard just mentioned, and Jared Vanderbilt as part of the potential three-team deal to the Lakers. Um, sides are said to be working through pick protections and additional draft compensation to this per sources to Sham Sharania of The Athletic. 
Um, let from the Lakers standpoint, if they get Russell, they get Vanderbilt and Beasley. Whoa! Um, and I, I, I meant to, I was laughing here, and people couldn't see that, but like or hear that, but also you're laughing at Danny H is real. He still hates the Lakers. That's real. Um, so even if Danny it, does this, he's going to yes. want all the best things in his favor. Oh, we want all unprotected. You ain't protecting nothing. We getting all them picks unprotected. Hell, we mm-hmm. might take some swaps from you. I, look, Danny is not going to get fleeced in this deal or do anything to benefit the Los Angeles Lakers. I know that unless what he is getting back in return, he believes far outweighs any benefit it gives them. It's all, it's very interesting with the Wolves in it too, because the Wolves just got fleeced, so they're trying to get fleeced again by the Jazz. <laughs> like I, I, I'm not sure they want to get fleeced by the Jazz. We know they got fleeced in that Rudy Gobert <laughs> trade. They didn't have to give up all them picks. They didn't really need to do that. Do that. I mean, let's say let's say they get those guys though, Gerard. Is that a good deal for I, the I, Lakers? It, it kind of is. Look, look, people are up and down on D'Lo. He's not my favorite guy in the world, but he can ball, man. Like this is a guy who. An excellent three-point shooter can attack a little bit off the bounce. Beasley, we know, is an excellent three-point shooter. Jared Vanderbilt gives them the athleticism they need, like, and they get off that Westbrook deal. Like, look, that is this works for them. This and if again, if LeBron and AD are healthy with those additions, and again, Thomas Bryant, when you Gabriel, these uh, Austin Reeves, these younger guys who have some talent and some skill, now they get to play roles that they are accustomed to playing instead of asking them to do more than what their talent suggests. Well, now you're talking, but I think, and shout out to my partner, True Group Davis, the Lakers have a coaching problem. Like it's, you know, I don't, as much as you get all these things happening, Darvin Ham is just not very good right now. The rotations don't make a whole lot of sense. Constantly playing AD full fourth quarter minutes. It's like, bro, it's like, it takes a while to get good as a head coach, You, you know, guys, come back and get better. Jason Kidd wasn't very good. Some would argue he's still not very good, but he's gotten better. Jock Vaughn wasn't great his first round. He's gotten better. Coaches can improve. Uh, Darvin Ham right now, not good. You know, it's funny you say that because last Friday we had Jackie Ray of the Long Beach Post. She, she was on the show and we were talking Lakers Clippers and about the Lakers. She said the same point. She said, look, Darvin Ham's not good right now. I think he's got a problem. Not sure he has a full respect of the players in terms of going in and some questionable things with the rotation. She made the same point. She was like, look, the Lakers' biggest problem right now is actually, other than, you know, not having a, mm-hmm. a great roster, is coaching. And this Honestly, is the, point Dexter, the roster is okay. The roster is good. A better coach with, with that roster would have them in a much better position. Again, just mm. how, why are you playing Beverly, Russ, and – what are you doing? These three guard lineups make no sense. Like right. there's so many things that it again takes time to get good as a coach, right? You, you need time in that first row to really see what's going on, to understand rotations, adjustments, minutes, all those different things. Yeah, definitely need time to do it. We'll see what the Lakers do. They're going to be one team to watch at the deadline. Uh, if you're watching on here on YouTube, Facebook, wherever, hit that like button, share it for us. We appreciate that. Uh, Move on to the Nets. They obviously mm-hmm. kind of got trade season for this week kicked off with the Kyrie deal. But now there's been reports that came out yesterday from Adrian Wojnarowski. The Nets and KD are discussing the franchise's direction. He also said yesterday that the team was not necessarily looking to trade Kevin Durant. However, listen to what Gerard said earlier, folks. You can't believe anything you hear at this time of year, this line season, as much as it is trade season. Um what should the franchise direction be of the Brooklyn Nets right now? I I feel like that's an interesting question. You and I talked about this earlier in the week on the phone, but like, what should their direction be? Because initially, you and I both were on that. Yo, they should just blow this up. It's a wrap, right? Like, it's a yeah. wrap for this. They should blow it up. But where are you now, less than twenty four hours before the trade deadline, as to what the direction of the franchise should be? I've kind of still been on that, Dex. Remember, I said blow it up back in November when the whole Harry anti Semitic thing happened. I was like. It's it. This is not going to work out for you. Look, here is the reality. The Nets do not control their draft for the next five years because of the James Harden deal, right? So picks and swaps do not belong to them. Now, they did get some draft capital back in the Kyrie Irving trade to Dallas, and they and in that trade that sent Harden to Philadelphia and brought Simmons back, they have a draft pick there as well. But that's it. Their own picks, they don't have they have no control over those in the next five years. That's a problem. Kyrie. We'll get to him in a minute. That's a problem. This team, you got Dinwiddie, you got Dorian Finney-Smith, you got Yuta Watanabe, you got um, Royce O'Neal, Patty Mills, Seth Curry, Joe Harris, right? 
You have a lot of Nick Claxton is playing outstanding this year. Most improved candidate, all defensive first team should be for sure. Um, and if you add Kevin Durant to that mix, Dexter, that is a quality team. That is a team defensively that is built to win ugly, right? So when, like, they could have a slugfest with the Milwaukee Bucks in the, in the playoff series, winning games 89 to 80, 85. Now, ain't nobody want to see that kind of basketball because it's ugly and hurts your eyes. But, you know, a win's a win. Who, who the hell cares how you get it? That's how they're designed right now. But as we know, winning a championship oftentimes suggests you need more than one star player. Now, I will say this. Ensemble cast can do it. Besides Steph Curry, who was a star player in the NBA Finals last year for the Warriors? Nobody was nobody. Nobody right? was a star, okay. a star exactly. level player, right? Exactly. Nobody was that. So right? it was Steph and an mm-hmm. ensemble. Now a very good ensemble, still, right? With with a championship pedigree, right? So that right, so that helps them, right? You look at Phoenix getting to the finals, right? Booker, star level player, but Aiton, Paul, like weren't really quite star level like all right we're all playing all at all nba level right now right that that right. wasn't the case that year uh as good as chris middleton is Giannis is the star the all nba right now an ensemble cast with drew Mid- with drew holiday and, and chris middleton is very good very as good. an excellent ensemble cast but still one star now the question is is joe harris dinwiddie and all these guys as good as those, those supporting casts that i mentioned not quite but they're pretty good i think if you're brooklyn here's what you're thinking they're trying to figure out, can they make one more swing by Thursday to get another quality level star player in here so that they can say, Kevin, look, let's run this the rest of the season. When you get back, we'll see where we are. That's are in fifth place right now. Only two games behind Philly for second, or right? So, or three games behind Philly, and they only have two teams to jump. So, you know, you, you get on a roll, you, you can do some things there. And then in the offseason, Dexter, they can say, all right. Let's say it falls short. They only get to the conference semis or whatever happens. In the summer, when more teams have more available, they can then say, you know what? Let's move Kevin Durant now because he's still playing when healthy at an all-NBA. Kevin Durant was an MVP candidate before he got hurt, right? Right. Still playing at that level. So we can, and he's under contract for three seasons after this one. So we can move him in the summer, get back young players, get back a bunch of picks, and we can start to rebuild our program. That really is their only option right now. I don't see any other way through or around this. And it's really about Kevin and what he says. Does he want to go now or does he want to wait and see if they get anybody come Thursday? Yeah, we will see. Trade deadline tomorrow. Nets going to be another team to keep your eye on. Very interesting uh, stuff there. Another team I think to keep your eye on is probably the center of the trade market. That's the Toronto Raptors. What will they do? Now, I find the Raptors so interesting, Gerard, because – they're kind of in that no man's land territory. Unlike the Lakers, they're, they're also 25 and 30. They're five games under 500. They've won two in a row, five and five in their last 10. But they're probably, they're not that far from being fourth or fifth among the worst odds yeah. uh, in terms of the lottery. Now, they will not crack that top four because they're not that bad. They're not Charlotte. They're not Detroit. They're not Houston or San Antonio, right? Like they're not going to be able to crack that. But could they get the fifth best odds? Yeah, they could pit with them. They're only three games ahead of the Magic. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's it's not impossible there. Um, what do you think they do? I find it so fascinating because they've got pieces that other teams could definitely use. Yeah. Things haven't worked out for them with the length and lack of shooting, um, at this year at least. But what what's the play there if you're uh, Masai Ujiri here? What's, what's the play? Yeah, I think for Masai, he wants to potentially see what kind of haul he can get back for OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, potentially Pascal Siakam, right? Because what I think they're trying to do is Scotty Barnes is going to be the centerpiece of their future. And Scotty's on a different timeline. He's 21, 22 maybe, uh, if that, right? Pascal's a little bit older. Fred's older, right? OG wants more of a role. He's been unhappy in Toronto for a little while now, right? What can they get back? Now, I know the asking price that Masai is looking for is high for those guys. We're talking three draft picks for like Fred. If he wants three draft picks for Fred Van Pleet and three first rounders, who do you think he wants for OG or Pascal? Never mind. The salary's got a match for Pascal and OG, right? So he's looking for a haul. And it may be a situation where, like everybody else, the summer may be a time where he's able to get more than he is now. So it'll be curious. And, and Masai's in no rush. 
you know, you, you've been talks about Brooklyn and potentially getting OG over there, but Messiah's um, coveted Nick Claxton for a long time. And if you're the Nets, Nick Claxton is your best young player, right? Uh, I, <laughs> I, I'm not, you know, like, I don't know if I'm giving him up, right? And there's no guarantee, unless you are guaranteed for the next three years, KD is not going to ask out, which there's no guarantee in that, right? So that'd be a lot to give up. So I'd, I'd be I'd be a little little cautious if I if I was Sean Marks in terms of putting Claxton on the table. Yeah, but you know these GMs got to do what they think is in their best interest. So this is the challenge, right? Keeping superstars happy, making sure you you're set for the long term while also competitive now. And again, the Nets want to be competitive because, as I mentioned. Houston Rockets, draft. they don't control the draft. Mm-hmm. So if they're shitty, all those top lottery picks get swapped or given away, right? Now, again, if they can, if they trade Durant and get young talent back and get a bunch of draft capital, cool. Then it doesn't matter, right? They can kind of work a rebuild and they'll have enough capital to sort of re- recoup that. And, you know, Sean Marks has proven he can find late round talent. So if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan, all is not lost. But the, the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving era uh, has proved to be disappointing. And that's to say the least. It is definitely proven to be disappointing. We always talk about, and this is a challenge for the next team, we're going to talk about the Golden State Warriors. And it's the same question with the Lakers. Will or should the Warriors trade their younger players? The Warriors are a team that's trying to still compete now, but also prep for the future. And we know how hard it is to do both at the same time. Very few franchises, maybe only the Spurs, have actually been able to accomplish this over a sustained period of time. What do you think the Warriors should do right now? Because especially the other thing I want to mention here is, you know, these young players outside of Kaminga are not playing. They're yeah. out of the rotation, yeah. right? Moody's not playing. Wiseman's mm-hmm. not playing. Mm-hmm. Um, what should they do? They, 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 this might be the best chance for them to trade them with some value. It, it depends on what the status of the Steph Curry injury is. Uh, that injury is one that is not common in basketball. Um, there are reports out there from different um, – you know, injury guys on, on not like not Twitter doctors, but actual doctors who are on Twitter who talk about this. Um, and you're looking at at least a month. So it's about 12 games. Not a, not a big deal. So if the Warriors are able to manage and hold on and go six and six or five and seven, they'll be fine. Curry gets back. And if he's fine and healthy, then I think, yeah, you got to make a move. You know, the thing about young talent is, and you know, this Dexter development is not linear, right? And two years ago, you know, if you were to tell the average fan, or not the average because they wouldn't know who this player is, but someone who watches the NBA, you told them two years ago, so that's 2020, hey, you know who's going to be Defensive Player of the Year in two years? Jaron Jackson Jr. They might they might have been like, man, you don't know what you're talking about. That dude's trash. Blah, blah, blah. What's, he, what's he doing right now? It, 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 you, that's the thing. You cannot predict how development's going to go. Now, you're the Warriors, you might be saying, we don't got two years to see if James Wise was going to be good, right? Because we're like, we don't know how long Steph Curry's going to be at his peak. We see he's already injured right now, so we got to make this move now. So I understand. I totally get it. But you did draft Wiseman and Kaminga and Moody where you drafted them, right? They have talent. It's just going to take time for them to figure it out. But again, if you think getting a veteran player in here or a borderline all-star type who can help show up the bench. Because again, that Warrior starting five, still one of the best net ratings in the league. So if you can shore up that bench with some with some pieces, some veteran pieces who know how to play in that system, and you're like, no, we can run this back. Because again, in the Western Conference where there's no dominant team, you got to do it because championship windows aren't open forever. And we don't know what could happen. So yeah, yeah. I think if you're the Warriors, you got to make that move. Yeah, I'm with you too. I think they got to make the move. And I'm, I don't, if those guys don't show that they can play in a rotation, the value is only going to go down. Granted, like you said, the, the development is not linear. Who knows what to turn around? Just to me, the Warriors doesn't seem like they have time, especially with the Steph Curry injury. You got to get stuff going. The Blazers, another interesting team to me mm-hmm. because all you keep hearing is they need big man depth. However, when you and I were texting about this last night, we're watching the Nets and seeing eight and destroy them. Um, a lot of teams need everybody big needs big men. Yeah, but where are you getting this from? Uh, are you going to trade Yusuf, Yusuf Nurkic? Do people really want a lot for him right now? He's on a okay contract, but right. he's got limitations defensively. That kind of stuff. Uh, what are the Blazers doing? The Blazers, man. Like, I, I was not high on them this year. The homie Chantel Shan was, and she had them over their win total. But like, uh, I don't know I, about that team, bro. I don't know, bl- like. 
the, the, know, Bla- man. the Blazers were a cute story the first month of the season, right? They're like, oh, yeah. look at them, top five. They are 26 and 28 in 12th place, a game and a half above the Lakers. I, look, they are who they are. I Jeremy Grant is a name you hear about, but again, salaries, you got to figure out what you're doing there. In terms of big man depth, I mean, there's like three names that everybody wants. It's like Jakob Hurdle, um, Mo Bamba, Kelly Olynyk, right? But it's like three dudes, and everybody wants those three dudes. So, you know what I mean? There's only so many people, places to go around. Look, it was like, oh, you give Dame a shot. Look, Dame made his choice, okay? Dame chose the money, which I'm not faulting him for that. Dame could have easily gotten his way out of Portland onto a better team if he so chose. He did not. He opted for the security and the money, and I ain't blaming him for that. All right, I'm not. You do whatever is right for you and your family. But yo, man, you made your bed with Portland. You got to land it. This is where you're at. Like you're at the whims of whatever they decide they want to do. We know there's talk about. Well, they have to. Uh, the, the late Blazers uh, owner Paul Allen. Now the team is controlled by his sister Jody. The stipulations of his will state that all of his assets must be liquidated. So that money can then be given to charity. Those assets include the Seattle Seahawks and the Portland Trailblazers. So, I mean, at some point, that team's going to get sold. And so who knows what's going to happen when a new owner takes over. So uh, Portland, for me, honestly, is one of those teams. Miss me. <laughs> like, you know, you're, yeah. you're 12th. I don't. And again, is this not a knock on game? But I'm like, okay, damn, cool. You can score 30 a night. You shoot logo three. It's awesome. But your team's garbage. So I don't really care. Yeah, and it's tough. Like, they got potential extension with Jeremy Grant, which he probably is looking to get paid in the summer. I don't know what that team did. It seems like they kind of just repeated the same thing. They got small backcourt, which I know you hate. Um, They don't really have a lot of big man depth. I Yeah, yeah, I'm not it. Okay, the other one of the points I wanted to make today and talk about the trade deadline that I think people should look at and really, really, really take a look at is you got to follow the money. Word to Lester Freeman from the wire. you got to follow the money here. There are 10 teams in the luxury tax here at the trade deadline. So I think it's important for people to look at, okay, who can make moves? How will they make moves? How will they spend? Now, as you might imagine, most of these teams are contenders or perceived contenders, right? You got Boston. You got Brooklyn, Dallas, Denver, Golden State, Clippers, Lakers, not contender, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and Phoenix. Do you think, and then also I should add, there are three other teams who aren't in the tax this year but will be next year. That's Atlanta, Miami, and New Orleans. Okay? Mm. So owners have to think about all these things in terms of adding talent to their team and what salaries they want to bring on. How much do you think, Gerard, this will impact whether this is an active or inactive trade deadline? Because this is a record. I should have noted that. The 10 teams at the luxury tax at the trade deadline is an NBA record. We have not seen this before. So how much do you think that'll have an impact? I think it'll have a big impact, Dexter. Like, again, the parity in the league right now. Yes, we think that Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, Denver, Memphis, those five teams are probably the front runners to win the championship. But if you had to bet with a bullet, the only team you're probably confident in is Boston and maybe Milwaukee, right? Like... Everybody else, you're like, meh. And both those teams, Milwaukee in particular, one injured player away from, they ain't doing nothing. We saw it. Milwaukee, Milwaukee's been on a roll lately, but no Chris Middleton. We saw what that was like early. So, you know, there is no true juggernaut team, and this is what makes it exciting, right? Anybody can win. Anybody can make a move at the deadline, shore some things up, consolidate, get themselves in the right place. Look, the Clippers got to make sure they go all in now. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in 2024, so next summer, can both be free agents. That will be a disappointing partnership if those two don't get to an NBA Finals, right? I mean, Denver, they are in win-now mode, right? Jokic is playing great. Jamal Murray looks like looks, looks, he's coming on. Uh, back from the injuries, playing well lately. Michael Porter Jr. has had a couple good games in a row. That seems ready to win right now. We know Brooklyn's got to win right now. Um, Phoenix, mm-hmm. you know, they got to kind of figure everything out and say, you know what, like, we got a shot. They've been playing better of late. Can we get everything back together on the ball and try to win now? Like, so many teams are in that position. Then you have young teams like New Orleans, who we thought this could be a year where, hey, they're what Memphis was last year. It started out that way, but then injuries, again, by the way, we're not talking about this as much as we should. Zion, another year with a lengthy injury. Like, this is a thing now to be very concerned about. And his, did he, 
Did he already sign his extension? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He already signed. He already so, signed his extension. So yeah. that's kicking in next year. Like kicks in next year. Yep. That's worrisome. If I'm a Pelicans fan, so there, there's a lot of this. This is the the difficulty of managing a team. All you kids at home that think you're GMs and like to play fantasy <laughs> basketball and be on your silly uh, silly ass trade machine, think you know what you're doing. Like this ain't that easy. Okay, it's not. You yeah, really have to think decisions. about how. And again, trade machine may work when you run it. But in real life, you have to actually call somebody and say, do you want to do this? And they might say, man, hell no, I'm not doing that deal. So, you know, this is this is the reality of running teams in the NBA. Ah, definitely is. And you got the finances are going to matter here. But Gerard, you make another the point you made out there that I think is good is despite the money, you mentioned the parity, which I think when you combine that with the money and because it's so open, maybe the most open year, it'll have owners thinking like, yo, maybe I got a chance. So I'm going to go more. I'm willing to pay deeper into the luxury tax to go and make this move. So that is something to look at. I think how much activity we see early tomorrow and as we approach the 3 o'clock deadline is going to be very interesting, especially from those 10 teams that are in the luxury tax. And as Gerard mentioned, New Orleans, one of those teams that will be in the luxury tax next year. So very, 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 very interesting. Um, Real quick, let's talk about Kyrie. Or oh, sorry, as I like to call him, Hotep Handles. Man. I, I want to say this because I, I said this at the beginning and I did a little video on Kyrie and I got a lot of problems with this. This man could not just go to Dallas. He can't help himself because he thinks he's the smartest dude in the room and then he says some dumb shit. He can't help himself. Instead of just being like, hey, man, I got out of Brooklyn. I'm going to go to Dallas. Just talk about how focused Luca and I are on winning the championship. Nah, he wants to get in some shots at the Nets. He thinks he was wrong. And some of y'all out there who aren't smart either think that he was wrong too. And I just want to bring up a newsflash to people. Guys, when you don't show up to work, when your employer can't count on you, you know what's going to happen? You're not going to have a job. So the only thing I can assume from y'all out there that are defending Kyrie is y'all either A, never worked, B, are unemployed, right? Or C, have zero interest in working. Those are the only three things I consume because I'm going to actually say maybe there's some ignorance. You just don't know how this works. I'm actually going to say that. Some of y'all I know do work and you know better. And maybe you think you can just be out here doing whatever the hell you want and that's not going to matter. And then I get people coming to me with this drive. Well, he was forced to take the vaccine. <laughs> he stood for what he believed in. Hey, and I'm going to tell people clear because I'm not going to, I'm going to make it personal for me. Place where I work, when I started the job last year at SNY, the New York Post, you know what you had to do? You had to have two, three shots to get back to work. Well, they wasn't letting nobody in the building. Now, I could have said, I don't want to take it, but I actually care about public health people, unlike the rest of some of y'all. I care about public health. So, you know what? I did what was right for public health and for my own health. But if you don't want to believe that, you don't want to take the job, cool. But there's a consequence with that. There's a consequence. Y'all out here acting like there's no consequences to making your decisions <laughs> and then want to blame people, which is Kyrie saying he was disrespected yesterday. Gerard, disrespected. How are you going to be disrespected? Then this is what got me. And I said this in this video. Then he had the nerve to say, nobody out there talks about my work ethic. In order to talk about your work ethic, you have to show up to work. <laughs> you have to come to work. You don't come to work and you're talking about work ethic? Because all I see is you not showing up to work. And you know who doesn't like to pay people who don't show up to work? Billionaire owners like Joe Psy. They have no tolerance for high-paid employees who don't want to show up to work and show their value to the team. Like, you might not like that. You may think everybody's got a boss to answer to. Because all of you guys out there saying that probably don't run your own company, don't manage any employees, have no idea what you're talking about. Pardon me for my long rant, Gerard. <laughs> no. But this dude in these comments in the first thing after practice, it's enough. Enough with this dude. And it shows you exactly why this is a risk for Dallas. This is what you have to deal with. This is the person you decide to get into bed with. You know, no, listen, you, you, you can rant as long as you want. You know, I agree with everything you're <laughs> saying, man. Like, look, here's the reality. This dude, Kyrie Irving, thought being on his best behavior for what, six weeks? Maybe two months? How long was it? Something like that. So thought, like that, that. thought that was enough to get the Nets to say, sure, Kyrie, we'll give you a four-year, $160 or $200 million extension. 
because you behaved yourself for six weeks. Are you high? Why would I want to do anything remotely like that? This is a man who has proven, forget about Boston and Cleveland, and we can talk about that. Every year since he's been a Brooklyn Net, there has been something largely by his own making to cause an issue with the team and keep him away from work. Yep. This is a problem in a sport. This is not tennis or golf. Hey, you want come and go as you please? Don't nobody care because you ain't got no teammates. That locker room be like, man, Kyrie coming to, come to the office today? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> game to game, you don't even know if that dude's going to show up. This dude took off. A, and, and the Nets get some blame for this. Oh, uh, yeah, we know Kyrie is away. No, you didn't. That fool took an unexcused 10-day absence, just said, nah, I'm not going to come to work for two weeks. <laughs> what? Why? Uh, you know, all things going on in the world. Really? Like family birthday parties and you being on a Zoom conference call for a uh, political um, um, conversation with, with a potential candidate for Manhattan district attorney? That That's what's bothering you that you can't come to work? Like, yo, man, look. And this is, you know, the reason why Kyrie frustrates me, Dexter, is because you and I, we're, we're both similar. I am to the left of progressive, okay? Like, I am pro-athlete, like, in every, in almost every scenario. Anti-billionaire, all the things. But every time I talk about Kyrie, he make me sound like I'm some right-wing conservative person. Because I'm like, can you just come to work, please? Can you just show up to work and do what your contract, listen, man, you signed a contract. It's one thing if you're injured. You ain't even injured. You just decide you're not coming to work or you're going to post about uh, an anti-Semitic video promoted on your platform. And then when you're saying, when you're told it has anti-Semitic views, clearly you didn't watch the whole thing. So what do you know about it, right? It offends people. You don't want to apologize. Like It's just, again, and it's the intransigence on his part, the defiance that like, I know better. And that's part of the reason, Dexter, why so many people mm-hmm. hop in your comments. Look, we're not naive. We understand that in this country, there is a way in which us as black men feel as though we have to be always kowtowing to white people, right? That is, and a lot of you saw that situation this year with Kyrie. Why has he got to get up there and apologize and go? You, you see it as him having to like get on his hands and knees and bootlick and do all the things. But yo, my people, he did this. He can't be out here acting like, oh, I don't know. No, you are not. Joe Smith 999 with seven followers. That dude could do whatever because they nobody care about him. Right? right. You, Kyrie Irving, with millions of followers, you cannot just blindly put out a controversial link to a video and be like, what? What's the problem? Nothing going on here. No, you have a different responsibility, my dude. That's how it works. And you know why it works that way? Because all you defending him believe in him so much. If you didn't and no one gave a, gave a crap about him, right. this would be different. But it's not that way, right? He puts out these, this message that is problematic. And when he has to answer for it, he doesn't want to. And then in Dallas, he gave the whole, like, I got Jewish people in my family. That's like the, that's like the racist saying, I got black friends. Like, what? Yeah, what I got black friends. Well, I, I mean, what, yeah, and, and what does that mean? And? Yeah, so what? So, so what, what's the Jewish, what's the Jewish, what's the Jewish community supposed to do with that? Like, he doesn't. <laughs> I know people have black friends and can still hate black people. They might have right. black friends because of what they can do for them, right? Like you, Kyrie, you're, you're, you hit the nail on the head, and it's such a nuanced issue. And I understand what you're saying as a black person. And yes, we're looked at sometimes to kowtow and do these things, and maybe we're embarrassed a little more. But you know, we can also say, and this is for the, particularly for the black people that have been defending Kyrie, right? Like, yo, man, it's okay. We can say when somebody's wrong. We can say when somebody's tripping. We can do that. Kyrie has been bugging out. We can say somebody's reliable and call y'all out there that want to defend this dude. Ask yourself this. If you were running an organization, I don't care what it is in the world that you're doing. If you were running an organization, a business, somebody showed up to work 51% of the time and you were paying them a lot of money, would you want to continue paying them? Talking about Joe Sy had to give him a contract. No, he didn't. That's not how the world works. You get paid for your performance. Sometimes you get paid for past performance. A lot of it's for potential what people think you can do. But you know what past performance indicates? Sometimes what you might do in the future. Mm-hmm. And in the future, you still might not show up to work like Kyrie. And that doesn't get you paid. 
That's it. Then ask yourself this, people. (laughs) Hey, if you were working on a team with somebody, I don't care what it is you do for work, that person showed up 51% of the time and you couldn't rely on them. Would you want that person to be part of the team? Would you consider that person to be part of the team? Would you want to look at that person, especially if they got paid more than you? You wouldn't like it at all one bit. And y'all out here who don't make even as much money as Kyrie, (laughs) out here taping for a dude off this thing as somehow he's somebody standing up for rights. No, he's only stood up for himself. Yes. And, and And what he did here, he even said yesterday, he did his job in Brooklyn. He got them to fourth place. Are you kidding me? Oh, that's how low the standard is for you, fourth place. You talked about delivering a championship. Mm-hmm. Please also do remember, do remember Kyrie's the person who said he was supposed to work in conjunction with the front office. He was part of the coaching and management team. Well, you know what coaching and management has to do? Show up! And he didn't do that. And Listen. y'all want to... It scares me, Gerard, because people don't understand how the world works or things work or don't even think about things. And I'm pro player all the time. But you know what I'm also not? I'm pro people not giving you the bullshit. Exactly. And Kyrie's been giving y'all the bullshit. Yeah, that, that, that's what he does. Kyrie, Kyrie's interested in one thing, Kyrie, right? And doing things on Kyrie's terms and nobody else. Again, you want to roll like that? Individual sports work for you, my guy. You don't got to worry sure. about nobody else. Do your own thing. You ain't got nobody to depend on, no teammates, nothing. You just do, you come and go as you please. That's not how it works when you are on a team enterprise, my guy. And that is what a basketball team is. It is a team situation. And if you are the Nets, of course, if you wanted to give him a contract extension, you're going to put in stipulations in there and clauses. Hey, man, barring an injury, you have got to be here whatever percentage of the time. Like, you can't just take absences for no reason, bro. You can't just not show up to work. Like, that's not how this goes. So, no, I, listen. And that's what right to do that. And yes, Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith, no one replaces 27 points on 50, 40, 90, six rebounds, five assists. You ain't, you ain't going to replace that. You ain't going to replace Nobody. the oohs and ahs and the Kyrie is electric. Mag- I mean, again, he's arguably the most skilled player in the NBA. All that's well and good. But you know what you're going to get from Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie? People who come to work with no drama. Every yep. day, Jock Vaughn going to know these guys in my lineup. Yeah, I mean, I get the spectacular 60-point nights, but I know who I can count on every single night, barring injury. You don't know that with Kyrie. And a team dynamic, which is what this is, a team dynamic, he is unreliable. Y'all have to understand reliability. We talk about availability is the best ability, and we say that all the time in sports, and y'all just want to ignore it here. Reliability matters. This is not a sports issue, folks. This is an issue of labor. This is about showing up to work. We forget that this is still work and it is entertainment. I don't care what you do in entertainment. It's still working. You have to show up to work. And you cannot expect to be treated with respect when you don't show yourself to be taken seriously. And Kyrie has shown shown me not to be taken seriously in this at all whatsoever. There is no reason that anybody should take him seriously with what he says. There's no, no reason at all whatsoever. Why would anybody take you seriously? when dude consistently shows himself as somebody that should not be taken seriously. That's, that's really, that's really what it comes down to. That's mm-hmm. really, really, really what it comes down to. So enough of Kyrie. I want to talk about one last thing that Gerard actually had brought to my attention and called me about early in the week. And as for the people who know, don't watch the show or listen to this, uh, Gerard is, you know, he's, he's a somewhat of a Memphis Grizzlies supporter. Like you won't see him with the blue and gold pom-poms, but he's got the blue and gold pom-poms sometimes. And, the Grizzlies, they've been sliding, right? The Grizzlies have lost. What, what have they lost, Gerard? They've uh, lost uh, eight, eight of their last ten. Eight out of their last ten, okay? The Grizzlies have lost eight out of their last ten. Yes, t- two and eight in their last ten games. Um, and then there's these things that have been surrounding John Morant and some of the people he's with, with a laser, laser, hopefully not from a gun, sights from a gun being pointed at a car, and this whole thing around it. And I feel like this is the – Gerard's the best person to ask because I watch a lot of the Grizzlies, so does Gerard. Um, and we'll talk about the Grizzlies later in the month, but also, are you concerned with this team right now? There's all the stuff you had with uh, Shannon Sharp and then, you know, um, the fight recently with um, Donovan Mitchell mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Dylan Brooks. Um, are you concerned about the Grizzlies and where they are? Because, you know, I, I think it's fair to be a little concerned about them. I, I am, Dexter. Look, 
in the in an NBA season, 82 games, that's shit's gonna happen. All right. Injury, whatever. No one runs through 82 games unscathed. That's just not how this works. It's just too long and too many variables. Uh, as Coach Thorpe likes to say, the storm is coming at some point. The best teams navigate and weather that storm, right? They either go around it, go through it, what have you. Do not, however, because you know the storm's coming, out of, that's going to be out of your control, control what you can control. Don't invite the storm in, okay? It's already coming. Don't add things that are going to make it worse. And you know I love their moxie, their brash confidence. It, it's it, They play with an edge. I love all that. But they got to be careful about this persona that they're adopting as it ties into the John Morant situation. I don't want to belabor the point. Uh, you guys read The Athletic um, and Indianapolis Star. It'll give you a sort of breakdown. Basically, um, as Dexter mentioned, Devontae Pack, a friend of John Morant, uh, was John back and forth along with Team Morant uh, at Indiana Pacers during a game in January to Pacers players. And then in the aftermath, uh, in the bowels of the arena out by where the team buses are and the cars and all that, Devontae Pack continued to shout things at the Pacers traveling party, which included players, team manager, staff, whatever, uh, saying, come get some of this. You don't know what we got. All this bravado, machismo, tough guy type of thing. Yo, man, this is professional basketball. This ain't the streets, and this ain't gang culture. If you want to do that, there are plenty of people out there in that world and in that life who will happily engage with you if you want to do that. Me personally, I don't know anything about that. You are John Morant. You are the face of an up-and-coming franchise in the NBA. You mentioned Zion's extension kicking in. Your extension is about to kick in. You got your first signature shoe with Nike coming out uh, in, a, in a couple of months. Yo, this adopting this gangster persona, this ain't it, my guy. Like, it's just not. Like, you are a ball player. You're not, you're not a gangster. Like, you're not, right? And so why are you entertaining that type of behavior? And look, I love it. You know, in the end, we don't run from nothing. We don't duck, no smoke. We climb all the way up the chimney. Cool. Everyone knows trash talk happens in basketball. You could keep it to ball. Everything is all good. When it spills and, and goes over into other things beyond that is when I start to have a problem. And again, this team follows Jaws' lead. Now, there was also an incident at his house this summer at a pickup game where a teenager filed suit against him for punching him in the face. And in the suit, uh, the teenager alleges that after a, a foul or something happened and the kid said he threw a ball that accidentally hit Ja in the face. According to the suit, the lawsuit, the kid said Ja held him up and asked the other people in attendance, should I do it to him? And then punched the kid in the face and continued to strike him while he was on the ground. When the police came, Ja did admit to punching him, but said that it was in self-defense and not what the kid said was true. Look, the lawsuit will work itself out. People will, will figure out what happens there. But all of this in the midst of losing, as they have been, and then Ja coming out. Because, again, remember I said the storm's coming. Stephen Adams' injury, six weeks, right? That's hurting them a little bit. And then Ja saying, I feel like the Memphis Grizzlies are the most hated team in the NBA. You know, everything we do is on national TV. Oh, my guy. When you go out and you talk that talk, which, again, I have no problem with, when you lose now, yeah, people are going to talk about it, okay? Because you put that on you. Y'all put that bravado out there. So when it gets turned back around on you, you can't be all sensitive now like, oh, everybody hate us now. No, you adopted that. That's how y'all want to play, okay? We, we know what happened last year against the Lakers. LeBron was getting heated at, at, uh, at Desmond Bain. Make a couple of shots. Now you want to talk shit? It's the last time I'm going to talk. Okay, okay, right? Every team in the league now, because of how Memphis is, likes to play and talk, they have an extra added edge when they come play Memphis. Oh, we're going to shut this team up. They talk too much. Again, I have no problem with trash talk in sports or anything. My answer is always the same to that. You don't like me trash talking, then shut me up. Beat me. That's what I got to say, right? That's just what it is. And right now, they did. although they did win last night, y'all getting beat. So I would do less time talking right now and more time. Let's get ourselves back to our winning ways. And get ourselves back together because Dexter winning in this league is tenuous. Okay. And success is tenuous. Yes. Yes. Don't let LeBron 
and the Warriors fool y'all into thinking, oh, winning is easy. No, it's easy, it, right? It ain't okay. Ask LeBron about that right now, okay? Winning ain't easy. Ask the Warriors about that right now, okay? It is hard. There's too many good people. And if you won't be humble, the league will humble you, right? That's just how it works. There's too many good dudes in this league, okay? The league will humble you. So enough of the, oh, we good in the West. Oh, really? Because every time you talk about the Warriors, they bust your ass, okay? So I don't really want to hear about you're good in the West until y'all start actually winning. And this is from someone who loves this team. But, yo, now that you're, you're getting the medicine now, so you got to take it. And you got to take it and correct and get yourselves better and back on track and say, you know what? No, we believe we're better than this. And think that last year's ascent to the second best record in the league, you're thinking, oh, this is going to be our life for the next 10 years, for a decade. We're going to be set. Maybe not. Maybe not. It's not how this works, friends. Not how this works. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, as you said, if they take the medicine, how they learn from this and move forward. And I do think, I will say, I do think some of the stuff around John Morant is concerning. And I think how he leads, and somebody needs to talk to him about this. And Shannon Sharp even brought this up on his show, which is like, bro, like Gerard said, you ain't no thug, bro. Like, this ain't this ain't what you're doing. And this, you got to be careful who you're around. And I think Gerard and I both, we are not on the respect poli- respectability politics stuff, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to black people and how they like to be framed. And this is how they have to act and thug behavior and all this stuff that gets particularly placed on black men. Not here for any of that. But when you are in a place of business, when you are doing business, when there are expectations for you, I will say the same thing as I said to Kyrie. To whom much is given as much is required. That is a motto I had from my middle school from the time I was this young in middle school. To whom much is given, much is required. Great expectations comes great responsibility. However you want to cut it, there is great responsibility. And heavy is the head that wears the crown, right? And I'm not saying that John Moran has a crown, but he is the crown, the crown in Memphis. And he is the guy that people are looking at to lead. And so how you lead is going to be very important. You can talk your talk and lead that way. There's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. But you can't be getting into that other stuff that's in the streets that can spill over into basketball. There's no place for that in the game. And we don't need that. So listen, we like the Grizzlies. I really like the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. I like seeing do well. I like their bravado. I mm-hmm. welcome it. But they got to understand the stuff that comes with it. And I like to see how they respond. It's not a wrap for them because they're two and eight in their last 10. It's not a wrap. But how they respond will be very telling as we move forward this season. All right, we talked a lot of basketball. Trade deadline is tomorrow. We are going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to give you the best bets. at 6 o'clock. Some games starting in about an hour, hour and a half. Some of the best bets for y'all to win some money when we come back on the NBA Exchange. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over-under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the NBA Exchange. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code NBAEX. Prize picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep, that's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play. Download the Prize Picks app today. All right, we're back. Wednesday night, nice slate of games going on tonight. We've got some good games in terms of uh, picks, hopefully to win you guys some money. Uh, what are you kicking it off with, Gerard? What you got tonight? Detroit Pistons at the Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, you mentioned the, the Pistons as one of the worst teams in the league. Cavaliers are number two in adjusted net rating in the NBA, by the way. Number one defense, 11th in offense. They are right now fourth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, not too far behind uh, Milwaukee and Philly. 11 looks like a big line, but Detroit stinks and Cleveland can guard. Check to make sure Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland are a go. They're listed as day-to-day. That game kicks off and tips off excuse me, in just under an hour here. But if they are playing, I like uh, the Cavaliers minus 11 for the win. I like a single-game parlay. Mitchell and Garland to each score over 25 points and the Cavaliers to get a win. All right, you got the Cavs winning. You, even though it's a big spread, Gerard likes it there. 
minus 11. Always interesting with the big spreads to me. But Detroit, they have definitely they been stink. one of the worst teams in the league. <laughs> they definitely stink. All right. For me, my first game, I got the Sixers versus the Celtics. This is a huge matchup before the trade deadline. Sixers, underdogs in this one at plus 162, excuse me, on the money line. The Boston Celtics, they're four and a half point favorites. And the over under here is 224 and a half. Now, look, when it comes to this game, for me, when it comes to betting this one, it's all going to be about revenge. And in terms of what the Sixers did, Sixers have not played since Sunday, coming off of a loss to the Knicks. Uh, when the Knicks came back, this is a statement game. You know, the Sixers and Celtics, those have been two matchups, excuse me, two teams that have been going at each other in the matchups. Celtics are at the top of the East. The Sixers, who've been playing really good basketball over the last 30 games or so, leading the league in offensive rating over that time. They've got a lot of motivation. It wouldn't shock me if Joel Embiid came out with a strong game here. This is what he's done in these big games on these stages. And it's a revenge spot because the last two times that these teams faced off, 126 to 117, the Sixers lost in Boston. Um, but they were in that game. That game was not the nine-point difference that we really saw. Okay. Now, some notes for you guys. The Sixers, eight and two straight up over the last 10. The Celtics, three and seven against the spread in the last 10. While the Sixers, this is a good number I like here. 11 and six straight up mm. coming off coming up after a loss. So that's something I like about this team right here. Look, I'm not fully on the Sixers bandwagon. I think they'll win, although I think they'll be motivated. But I like the Sixers in the points here. Give me the Sixers plus the four and a half. I think Joel Embiid has a big game in this one. Look for anything with Joel Embiid. Over 10 boards, 11 boards. I like him to be dominant on the glass in this one. Also like him to score. You know he's averaging about 33 points per game. So it's big. A lot asking a lot in terms of points with props. But I think you have a big one. Also, do not sleep on James Harden in terms of assists. Go over on his line in terms of assists there. That's another prop I would look at in this matchup. But I like the Sixers here in this play to at least make this competitive, which is why I would take the Sixers plus four and a half in this one, Gerard. So I'm going with the road underdog in my first pick of the night. What you got for your second game? Second game, the Dallas Mavericks on the road in Los Angeles against the LA Clippers. That is the second game on the ESPN doubleheader tonight. Clippers, eight-point favorites. This will be the Mavericks debut for one Kyrie third eye Irving. Um, <laughs> look for him to definitely show out tonight. So any props and remember, no Luca playing. So any props with him over 28 points, five plus assists. I think he's going to want to, you know, do his thing and, you know, show like, yeah, look, everybody, I told you I'm great at basketball and you should pay me all the money. So look for Kyrie to really show out tonight. Well, the line's a little high and the Clippers have been so shaky lately. Look, Kawhi and Paul George should be playing. Uh, anything I like them both 25 points plus and a Clippers win, uh, you should get pretty good uh, odds on that. All right, you're going, going with the Clippers. Yeah, I don't think the Mavericks have enough um, in that game. I, that, that spread is kind of fine, it's, it's about right for me. I like the Clippers there to cover. I mean, eight's a lot. Maybe if you mm-hmm. want to play that down a little bit, I like mm-hmm. that one, Gerard. I like that one. Okay, <clears throat> my second matchup I got the Golden State Warriors, they're on the road versus the Portland Trailblazers. The Blazers, we talked about them. Uh, how they've not really been good. They are two-and-a-half-point favorites. That is the without-Steph-Curry factor here for sure, guys. There's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. The Warriors, plus 120. Now, understand why some of you might want to jump on that with the Warriors just over even money. You don't trust the Blazers, and I wouldn't blame you at all whatsoever. Now, what I do like here, the thing that I really do like here is the over-under. It's set at 235. Why do I like this, guys? Well. That is the Blazers, they can't stop anybody. They probably couldn't stop me and Gerard if we were on the court right now. <laughs> right? Now you're gonna say, well, Dexter, a good thing is the Blazers can put up points. You're right. Over the last 10 games, they're second in the league in offensive rating. So you like that there. But but guys, they've been getting torched. They've been getting beating the brakes off on the other side of the ball with a minus 1.7 net rating. That ain't good, guys, at all whatsoever. So you know they're going to give up points. Now you'll say, hey, Dex, the Warriors don't have Steph Curry. But they're playing the Blazers. And the Warriors can still score. They got Jordan Poole. They got Clay. We've seen Clay go off the other night and put up some buckets. Those things can still happen. And they play an offense that I think is still going to confuse the Blazers. So my play here with the over under 235, some places also seeing a 234 and a half, 
Give me the over in that. I think this is your best bet. This is one to forget the teams. I think it could be a close game. Either team could win. But I love the over here because I think there's going to be a lot of points in this game. Portland plays no defense. I probably would lean to the Warriors to win because they play better defense. The Warriors are 26-1 and to the over on the road, while the Blazers are 15-10 and to the over at home. So with both these teams, they play to the over. Over is a good play here for me in this matchup, which is sure to be a high-scoring affair. Mm-hmm. They just don't play any defense at all. Can't what? guard nothing. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't touch it in terms of who wins. I guess <laughs> in towards the Warriors, but uh, I think that over-under is one where it's like, this is too tantalizing to pass up in that regard. All right, yep. tra- trade deadline is tomorrow. Whew. Unbelievably already. I sh- I'm sure tomorrow will be an insane day. I'll be glued to my phone. I know Gerard will too mm-hmm. as well. It should be a fun one. There will not be a show on Friday because I will be doing post-trade deadline stuff for the New York Post at SNY in studio there. But we'll be back on Monday. I'm sure we'll recap all of this stuff for sure and have some good guests. Gerard, anything else y'all got cooking up on True Hoop? Uh, yes, actually, we normally come out on Thursdays, Mondays and Thursdays with our episodes. We will not be out on Thursday this week because of the trade deadline. We'll be out on Friday instead. So we'll have a full show on Friday recapping all the excitement from trade deadline. And we will talk about, of course, LeBron James, the new NBA all-time scoring king. Yeah, and that should be a good one uh, for folks to check out for sure. Um, so if you're looking for some trade deadline, post-trade deadline recap, True Hoop will have you covered on that. Gerard will be on that with Henry Abbott, Coach Thorpe, and the guys doing their thing on True Hoop. We will be back next week, as I said, with a bunch of coverage. Uh, if you like this episode, hit the like button, share it, do all those things. We appreciate that. Check out Gerard and True Hoop. Check him out on the Seven Footers with our homie, General Lemoncelli. Uh, and that's it. We will be back next week. Enjoy the basketball. Enjoy the trade deadline and understand you got to show up to work to get paid. Those things do not happen by itself. Here's Gerard Hector. I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, y'all, peace and enjoy the basketball.